0: I feel like my kids will miss out on a part of growing up, right? That the fun part of school is really going to get mitigated and it's going to be replaced by parents asking, Did you keep your mask on today?
1: Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast,
0: a parenting podcast by two dads who
1: happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I
0: want to- Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for another season of Medical Dads. <laughs>
1: Is this officially the start of a of a new season? Right right here, right? Right now?
0: here, right now. I'm calling it right now.
1: <laughs> I think if we actually go back and listen, some of our previous episodes do state and that's it for season one. We'll see you next time in season I two. I know.
0: We love season one too much. And we still have unaired season one episodes, so season one isn't fully dead, but we're moving ahead with season two now.
1: <laughs> uh, standard fifty seven episode season,
0: no problem. <laughs> Well, I I think it's a good place to start the new season because we're going to dive into the topic that every parent in the world is worrying about right now, which is the kids are going back back to school.
1: Uh, or at least some of them are. <laughs> some of the, some of them are going back to homeschool and some of them are just totally writing off the entire year. <laughs>
0: Yes, there's many varieties of options out there. It's not as straightforward as most Septembers, I'm I'm afraid.
1: Well, hopefully by the end of this podcast, it'll be more clear what, uh, what the listener is going to do with their child. And maybe we'll even figure out what we're going to do with ours.
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe. To put things in a little bit of perspective, let me tell people where I'm at with COVID right now. Okay. Right. So, in case you want to listen to this episode and be like, well, what do the medical dads have to say about it? I feel like you need to know the context of what the medical dads are actually, how they're actually living their lives at this moment. Yeah. Right. And then you can decide whether our advice is worth it or not. Like, generally speaking, we like, I would say that I've been part of a pretty careful family. Like we've been pretty careful to try to avoid the virus. And as we've met more and more people over this past summer, when I say meet, I mean, virtually meet, right. Or yell at from across the street. We've gotten the sense that different people have different comfort zones, right? So different, some families are okay doing certain activities like cherry picking. Some families are playing pickup basketball at the park. Some families are eating on patios frequently, right? Some families don't do any of those things, right? So every family's risk tolerance is getting played out in public for everyone to see and analyze. You know, like you're walking around, you look at your neighbors, you're like, they're not careful. We're not talking to those people, (laughs) right? (laughs) When are we going to see that other family again? Maybe in three years, right? So there's this whole like risk thing that's going on where everyone's trying to figure out where their comfort level is with risk, right? So my family right now, we are still on the area on the side of super cautious. I would say super cautious compared to most people. Although I know people who are even more careful than us.
1: <laughs> people who are more careful than you, like sealing their children in Ziploc bags.
0: Where I'm at right now is that we have finally decided that it's okay to get takeout food. Like over the last month, we've ventured out and brought home Domino's pizza a couple times and Pizza Hut.
1: So your, your reluctance so far was To actually enter the the establishment to pick up the food or this is the first you've been willing to accept food from an from an outside source
0: both both
1: like like up until now you guys have been growing beans and living off the land in your backyard
0: well i i actually am taking the stems of bok choys and sticking them back in the garden and they actually grow like a bit of an extra few leaves so you can have a you can create your own vegetable to some degree but that's neither here nor there. We, we had been very careful. Like every time we're like, should we order food out? And we're like, it's probably safe. Lots of people are yeah. doing it. Then we'd have this discussion like, well, what's the point? We've been safe for so long. Imagine if we get COVID because of that pizza. We'll never live it down, right? And then, okay, all right, I'll go make dinner again. So that was the conversation we kept having. So
1: then going, having your kids physically go back to school would be an enormous jump from where you are now, eating homemade bok choy pizza at every meal
0: enormous enormous so for to understand where my head is during this episode just understand that as of like two weeks ago i brought home a domino's i didn't bring it home someone delivered a domino's yeah. pizza they have all these little stickers on it to reassure you that no one's touched this pizza since it came out of the oven right so i i unpeel these stickers and then i promptly deposit the the pizza back into my oven at 350 degrees just to cook it a little bit extra you know, and you know how like the nice thing about Domino's pizza is that their cheese is nice. Like they're really, they're, I really enjoy the cheese, you know, as a thing, except this time. Like I put the pizza in the oven. I went out to take out the garbage. I hosed down my recycling bin. I came back in and probably 20 minutes had passed. We probably had doubled the cooking time of this pizza. Like whatever germs or viruses were on that thing were surely dead. Right. Yeah. And so was the taste of the pizza, <laughs> completely dead. <laughs> like it wasn't that nice yellow cheese anymore. It was really like another few seconds, it would have been black. Like this was almost a disaster. <laughs>
1: but I'm surprised you would even taste that over the taste of the bleach that surely the pizza was soaked in before you <laughs> ate it.
0: You, It's amazing. It's amazing what you can taste over bleach. <laughs> so then the other day we were like, you know what, We need to we need to support our Asian establishments. Like we haven't had asian takeout food right because pizza we can kind of see that pizza comes out of the oven you know in theory someone with a big wooden spatula can pull it out they don't have to get too close to it you know that works but chinese food is a little bit different right so we ordered a bunch of these takeout boxes and we're like okay i'm not going to reheat every box right so we just start eating it and then after about 30 minutes i swear my throat was itchy like that that covid just hit me right in the throat I spent the rest of the afternoon doing chores thinking this could be a way of a real bad way to go. <laughs> oh
1: man. I, That's some fast acting COVID you got there.
0: <laughs> yeah, the worst, the worst, but I'm fully recovered now and I'm ready to go.
1: So um, when you order the Chinese food, did it come with a, like a COVID swab, like wrapped up next to the chopsticks? <laughs> Were you able to just like test yourself and send it in right away?
0: <laughs> unfortunately no right in a perfect system things like that would exist but yeah. not here so so our big problem actually is my wife the reason we went to the restaurant was because before COVID hit someone gave us a gift card so i have 50 dollars to burn at this place she's like these restaurants are probably going to go out of business. So we got to use it. So we weren't even thinking about like, you know, we, that supporting our business. It was more like, let's cash out our $50 before that place goes under. And I go into the restaurant and sure enough, this place normally is packed. Like lunchtime on a Sunday is usually got 200 customers, right? Right now it's zero. All the chairs are pushed to the wall and I'm the only person there. And there's one other person waiting for their takeout order, right? So their business has shrunk by like, I don't know, 95% or something. <laughs> Right, and and then I'm thinking, and then I give them the gift card, and then they start swiping it, and I'm wearing like a mask and the and like the face shield and everything. They're swiping, they're like, "Uh, "There's a problem with your gift card." I'm like, "Oh man, like, why is there a problem with my card?" They're like, "No, no, no, it's our system. It's just a glitch. You can come back next time and use the card." I'm like well, what can I do? I can't force them to use the gift card if the computer's not reading it, right? But I know that when I go home, I'm going to hear about this from medical mom, whose our sole purpose of eating that meal was to burn that $50. And now I have to tell her, we have to eat there again.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to ask, like, do you want me to go back and edit out the part where you said that you thought you had to support the local Chinese business? (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Forget about that. This
1: uh, struggling business on their last legs. I'm sure they're uh, the second they see you come and waving that gift card, they're not exactly like, "Yes, this is what we needed <laughs> to honor gift cards." <laughs> and I, I imagine that machine's gonna keep having glitches <laughs> until they uh, until they're back
0: in the future. Maybe so, maybe so. Well, in that case, it's a race to the death. Their business versus my sore throat.
1: Well, putting aside the discussion on how there are no reported cases of COVID-19 spreading through food. And I, I think it just still, still speaks to the more like important takeaway point that you know a lot of us have been trying to follow some very strict guidelines that it certainly seems like going back to school would be flying in the face of everything we had been doing up until now.
0: Absolutely. So let's get into this whole school business because it's August now and the clock is ticking. All parents are on the clock right. now.
1: Maybe we should just talk a little bit about why then would anybody, why, why is there even a push to go back to school? And, then, and that might tie into a little bit about, well, what science is there and maybe what's our opinion on it. But from the point of view, what we're describing right now, it would make it sound as if, you know, there's absolutely no reason to go back to school if it's 10 times more dangerous than ordering a pizza. <laughs> so like, why, why 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 do people want to go back to school so bad?
0: Well, I actually, I don't think there's a really good answer to this question right i think that the answer that people want to hear is that the children need to learn and the children's education is suffering but i don't actually think that's true that's not the real answer why there's this push right I think the push comes from this idea that we've been at home since March and most people are like, that's long enough, you know, like one month. Fine. Two months. Fine. Three months. okay. now we hit summer. But by September, we better be going back. Right. So there's this artificial like time periods, you know, that's expiring now. And it's saying September, we need to return to some form of normal life, you know, and why is, is September 1st any different than September 15th or versus October 1st? not really, it's kind of arbitrary, but there is that push that that, that that line is approaching.
1: I guess it is fair to say that no matter what perspective you look at going back to school from, it most of it boils down to, we just can't take it anymore. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's the whole aspect of, you know, parents need to get back to work. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. true on an individual level for a lot of parents. And it's also true on a society level, which is, partly why, you know, governments and whatnot are involved in the push back to go back to school. But, you know, a lot of parents are just at the point now where, you know, we held out as long as we could and we were just trying to, you know, our jobs maybe have a bit of a natural slowdown in the summer, but, you know, people across the board with all different kinds of jobs are at the point where they're like, I don't really think I can effectively do my job or get my job back started again while also having my kids at home which uh, spark mm-hmm. speaks a little bit to the reason why school exists in the first place, period. <laughs> Never mind coronavirus. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> well, it's this convenient thing where your, child, your children are looked after by the state for eight hours a day while you can go and earn money, <laughs> right? And the fact that they can learn stuff on the way kind of justifies its existence beyond that.
1: Well, that is definitely one way of conceptualizing the modern school system. Now, using my family as an example of having to make the decision about going back to school in September. Uh, I have a job where I have to physically go into work some days, and there's just no way around it. Uh, My wife, being a teacher, uh, hadn't had to physically go into work, even though she's had to work from home, since the end of March or so. But now, come September, even if my kids were self-taught geniuses who required no further education, we would still have to find someone to watch them during the daytime, on the days we have to go to work, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that for many other parents, uh, as the summer ends, they will find themselves in a somewhat similar situation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of it. But then I, you know, I think there's also uh, the just can't take it anymore aspect of people feeling like their kids just can't take any more of you know being separated from their friends uh, or uh, you know being deprived of their education. Um, and then on a, on a society level, there's that whole idea of, you know, all the stressors of everybody being at home all the time with no release valve of kids being at school during the day, just leading to more family conflict. And in the worst case scenarios, even, you know, potentially child abuse, or, you know, and things mm. like that.
0: But to me, a lot of those kind of arguments sound, seem to be stretching things a little bit thin. You know, for, for every case of worse than child abuse, there are now articles coming out talking about some children are very happy at home. Right? They're not being bullied anymore. The local bully isn't following them home. right? And I could see that. I, I, and and I've, I've read a whole bunch of parents saying, my children are smiling. They're happy for the first time. We didn't know that school was causing them so much grief. Right? Which, thinking back now to high school and what all the different forms of grief that I went through <laughs> as a high school student, I mean, I, I, can, I can understand that viewpoint too. right? I think some people probably do really well at school. Some people do really well at home. Right. And I I probably would suspect that that's a bit of a wash, you know, but that's just my take on that. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think that bullying cancels out child abuse in a one to one ratio, but I know there has been data collected on the increase in child abuse since since the coronavirus lockdown Mm -hmm. started. I I don't know what, if there actually is data on bullying.
0: <laughs> I'll venture a guess and medical dads first. There's less bullying while all the kids are at home, but on in line there still could be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not not I, certainly. I still see kids in the summertime coming to the emergency department because they're being you know cyberbullied, but um uh, but I think you know in terms of child abuse there probably aren't there probably isn't less child abuse when kids are at home all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's mm-hmm. probably less kids being molested by teachers so so,
0: so, that. so i don't know what the function of the school is I, di- I didn't realize i was sending my children to school for the sake of protecting them from being abused sexually at home but i guess <laughs> if that's what they're being sent for
1: no wait a minute i, I don't think i specifically said sexually <laughs> abused
0: no you just said abuse i'm we, i'm just giving a more specific example
1: Well, before anybody calls the police, I'm talking in general, not at Dave's house in particular, (laughs) but uh, but you you do make a good, uh, like a raise, a very important point. You know, I've talked a lot about why at a society level, uh, you know, going back to school might be helpful from different perspectives, but you know, for each of us as individuals, we're not really looking at the society level when we're making our decision about what to do with our kids. We're looking at like our own like specific uh, scenario,
0: right? Right, and everyone's scenario is different, and everyone's risk tolerance is different, I, AKA the pizza, right. right? And as we've seen over the last six months, everyone's ability to, to handle risk when it comes to this virus Is completely different, right? Some people want to wear the mask, some people never want to wear the mask. Some people refuse to do anything until the vaccine's invented. Some people are already saying they don't believe in the vaccine when it does become invented, even though it doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Like there's all sorts of like angles to this. And fortunately we live in a democracy so everyone can vet out their ideas, right? As if they're real. So we're living in this crazy time period, right? Where everyone's got an opinion, no one knows what's going on, and (laughs) school's starting in a month.
1: Well, let's let's try to then tie it into a little bit about what does the science say? What science is there?
0: All right. Well, you are a resident science guy, right? And we've talked about this a bit on other episodes. So we don't need to like go over it all in excruciating detail. But as of right now, it's August, middle of August 2020. Yeah. What does the science say about how safe it is for children to go back to school, in your opinion?
1: So. You know, I think if the only concern and the only question that people had was how how safe are my kids specifically, then I would say kids under 10 going back to school is going to be very, very safe.
0: Yeah.
1: Or maybe maybe a better way to say is that the risks to them are very, very low.
0: Right. So to them themselves, they rarely will get serious consequences of COVID. That's right. From what we've seen so far. That's right. Um,
1: and, you know, there's, there's, there's some countries where kids haven't, haven't ever stopped going to school. You know, like Sweden has kept their kids in school during the whole crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And there are countries where kids were out of school but have already started to go back a bit earlier than we have. So mm-hmm. there is some data to be gleaned from that. And uh, although there's definitely a lot of flaws with the methods uh, and there's a lot of difficulty interpreting data that's all collected retrospectively, but what you can say is that uh there's very clear evidence that for kids less than 10 one they don't uh tend to get very severe symptoms you know for them to have very severe symptoms from coronavirus or covid-19 is very 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 small very rare uh they also don't get they don't pick up the virus as easily as older people do you know their their chance of actually getting infection is probably like a third of an adult in the similar scenario uh mm-hmm. and they don't transmit the virus as easily uh, which doesn't mm-hmm. mean they don't transmit it at all, but you know all those factors combined, I would say, mean that when your kid goes back to school, uh, the chance of them getting coronavirus may not be, uh, certainly their chance of getting coronavirus at all is not necessarily gonna be small. And that's gonna depend a lot on what's COVID like in your community. But if you don't have a lot of COVID floating in your community, then the chance your kid's gonna get at school is small, but even if they do get it, uh, the chance that it's actually gonna lead to some serious harm to them is is very low. So if that's your only worry, then I don't think you have Mm -hmm. too much to lose sleep over.
0: Right. Although some of the newer... There's all these studies floating around. So you don't really know who to believe and who not to, right? Like, especially as we get closer to school, suddenly there's more studies about children coming out into the news. And I was hearing that some people are starting to say kids do carry the virus like they've there's been studies where they've measured you know they've swabbed people and the kids are carrying the virus in a higher amount than previously they thought but they're not sick they're just carrying it yeah so i've heard that but again these these kind of data are small sample sizes
1: Well, the, the idea that kids are carrying the virus doesn't really contradict what was previously thought about how easily they transmit the virus or about mm-hmm. how severe their symptoms are um, I, my opinion, what I think we're going to find once you start getting large numbers of kids in school across the entire world is that people are going to realize, yep, they they transmitted enough uh, that it spreads from kid to kid. But I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to see a big change in uh, our understanding of, of how sick they tend to get. Because there's certainly okay. been enough kids who've gotten coronavirus to suggest that you know the percentage right. of them that get very sick is very different than
0: adults. Sure. Although it can still happen. So that, yeah. one of the problems with this type of stuff is, you know, like especially like when I look at these kind of data, I always try to, I, I hear the study and then I try to think, how does it relate to me? Right. right. And how does it relate to my family? So when you say kids under 10 are generally okay, I'm happy to hear it. Right. But then you say, okay, what's the actual number that get really sick? It's not 0.001. There is an actual number. Like how many kids actually get seriously sick out of under age 10, you think?
1: Oh, I would actually say it probably is, like like, like a percent of a percent of kids under 10 who are otherwise completely healthy, who get seriously sick, and at the end mm. of the day, it's actually the coronavirus that made them sick, and not just that they were sick with something else, but then also tested okay. positive for coronavirus. The, so
0: the number is very, very low yeah, yeah, in that, the under that, 10 that group.
1: I mean, you know, influenza kills children. You know, like mm-hmm. the ki- children who are completely seemingly fine get like a carditis uh you know their heart muscle inflate gets inflamed and they die like i've actually seen that happen right. so right you know so i'm hardly going to say that that no, no bad thing can happen from coronavirus but it is it is so rare for something like that to happen that other than doing what you can do you don't otherwise make a big change into your routine because of influenza uh, mm. and you don't otherwise i don't think that is the reason to worry about coronavirus that Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's that's my thought on just how risky is it to, 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 to your child's life. You know,
0: how about to the slightly older age group? Like if we go past ten, now the risk starts to go up a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you're still much safer being under 18 uh, than you are being, you know, over 50, mm. uh, but it's really the under ten where you could say, yeah, like their their symptomatology seems to be fairly mild. I okay. think as you start to get to the upper end of being a teenager, then your risks are going to be very similar to someone in their 20s.
0: Okay. So that's what the science tells us. Now, you didn't finish your thought. So the kids will be safe. Now, what about the people around the kid? Us, namely, <laughs> the parents and the grandparents.
1: That's right. So yes, there is data that seems to suggest that children don't tend to spread it easily to, to adults. But that's definitely not the same thing mm. as saying that kids can't spread it to adults, uh, and adults can definitely spread it to kids. So, you know, there's all kinds of different reports about schools that had outbreaks, and then when they sort of do the tracking, they realize like, oh yeah, kids who were mingling with many people before it was known that they were symptomatic didn't seem to transmit it. But then at the other, on the other end, right here locally in Canada, not too locally for you and me here in Ontario, but. Trois-Rivières is a is a place in Quebec which is uh, you know maybe three or four hours to get to from where from where I'm recording from right now and if people were following this story in the news this school was still operating in uh, June I think and uh, they had a reduced class size so there was one class of elementary age students uh, where there was only 11 kids in the class and one kid uh, it seems acquired like a novel coronavirus in the community mm. and brought to school and out of 11 kids in the class nine out of 11 kids were infected with coronavirus uh not not all of them were symptomatic though but when they tested nine out of 11 kids were positive positive. and also uh at least one teacher was covid positive uh, and it was like linked back to this kid
0: and did anyone did it spread past that or was that the end of that
1: story the last I read, it had spread to one other child who was in another class. Although 9 out of 11 plus a teacher is not a statistic you really want to hear.
0: Right. And and right now, 11 sounds like a great number, right? In Ontario, there's this huge kerfuffle now but what is the what is the right number for class sizes right 30 kids in a small unventilated room so people are pushing for class sizes under 15 but here we're hearing even in small settings small class sizes you know things can spread right that's right so so that's the science in terms of you know how easily the thing spreads what the science also tells us is there's stuff we can do to prevent spread as you know it's an imperfect science but there are things we can do to minimize our risk, right, if our children are in school.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. What we, what was your thought on that?
0: <laughs> well, the idea is that, you know, the less kids together in the class, the better. Ventilation is important. So if the room is well ventilated, if there's outside air coming in and out, if they're If they're not mingling with other kids, so this idea of like putting kids into smaller bubbles, right? These 15 kids only hang out with each other every day. They don't hang out with other kids. In theory, all these things would be better, right? And then then there's the masking issue, right? In theory, kids over a certain age, I believe grade four and up, the recommendation is they should wear a mask the whole day. So even if they have the virus, they pass it on less to the people around them right if they can wear an eye shield that's even better if the classroom is can be designed or retrofitted to have plastic shields to block the teacher from transmitting it or getting it from the students and vice versa there's all these things that you could do right i don't know how realistic all these things are and the the true data on them is not great but at the same time a lot of the practices like the masks and uh, and i didn't even mention hand washing yeah. which is the other big one right so they want schools are really pushing kids to wash their hands regularly wash for the full 20 seconds it's not like my children standing at the sink and they just hang their hands there let the water drip over their fingers and they're done right so if they're very religious yeah. about following all these things then i do think that's what we can do to fight against this thing right however knowing children Knowing young children, especially, and knowing teenagers who don't listen to any yeah. <laughs> anyone telling them not to do anything, it seems unlikely that we're going to be able to adhere to this well, right? That that's my fear. So my fear about going back to school is not that we is not what the science says and all this stuff. It's that the actual people involved could be doing so much more, but they won't, and we're going to end up with problems because of that.
1: I'm not even sure it is possible. To create my ideal school from a coronavirus prevention point of view i'd want to see multiple measures put in place so that if one fails then you have these other redundancies <laughs> so i'd want to see kids wearing uh, surgical quality masks <laughs> as opposed to cloth masks uh, and teachers as well an advanced ventilation system that that doesn't recycle the air from one mm-hmm. room to the next room would be would be ideal i like the plexiglass shield idea <laughs> and most importantly I'd want to see the kids actually separated the meter to two meters apart that's being recommended, which I don't see how you could do. (laughs) I've never witnessed a classroom that could actually accommodate the number of students we're planning on having now a meter apart because the room would have to be 30 meters by 30 meters. That's a gymnasium.
0: (laughs) I mean, I agree with you. My problem is like let me give you an example i just went to the grocery store the other day social distancing there's these arrows on the ground there's these little like foot feet footsteps stuck to the ground where you're supposed to stand in line and we're not following those rules very well you know i'm in i'm in the row i'm in the row going in the direction i'm supposed to be going looking at soda and there's a woman who just decides she needs to pass me right yeah (laughs) like like this, and, and these are adults, right? right, who know the rules. Like, I actually won't fault a child for not following the rules. These rules are impossible to follow, right? But an <laughs> yeah. adult, come on, right? Like, we're in the grocery store. Like, it's, I don't know. So I feel like these rules are impossible to follow, right? So impractical. So we set children up for failure. So there's gonna be problems, right? That, that's my problem with this.
1: There's also the problem of the cost of doing this, right? Like, the actual financial cost of doing this from the point of view that the government's motivation to get people back into school is, to, is partly to re- reinvigorate the, co- the economy. Well, all those gains would be completely wiped out by the cost of actually implementing my my ideal school system. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then in addition to that, not everybody's motivation why they want their kids back to school is purely because they just need the kids out of the house for their own sake. Uh, or at least that's not everybody's admitting that. For some people, they want their kids to go back to school because they legitimately believe that the children are suffering uh, and 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 enduring harm by not being able to see their friends at school and interact socially and have a a, a more normal school experience than the virtual experience mm-hmm. but if we mm-hmm. actually put in all these safety precautions and people followed them then <laughs> you would no longer get any of those benefits anyway <laughs> i mean if your kid could go to school and interact with five other kids then are they any better off than they are with the five playdates that people are probably already doing uh, distance on the lawn?
0: No doubt that if they followed your rules to a T, we would see no teen pregnancies in the Stuart school, the <laughs> Stuart Harmon perfect school, <That's> <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but I mean, one of my problems is actually not just that the kids won't be able to socialize. Like a few years ago in our neighborhood, the kids actually do at when at my daughter's school they would do a thing where what is it called it's like a when they have like a disaster signal like if let's say there's a random gunman walking around the neighborhood oh, uh, all the kids are supposed to duck under the safe school there's like a yeah there's like a protocol yeah, right a safe so all the windows get closed all the kids duck into certain locations and then they had drills to run drills for this yeah and i remember talking to a parent and she was like Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad that like the kids have to go through this. Right. Because they're going to school in 2018 or 2019. And this is a thing. Right. Yeah. Because in 1980 or 1985, this was not a thing when we were kids. Yeah. Right. But now you think about what it would be like for a kid to go to school now. You know, what's their school experience going to be like? I, I, we were at a town hall meeting at our school and we heard them talking about all the procedures and, and a lot of good procedures, like the things you're describing. Right. Yeah. So children are going to wear a mask all day right but they will take off the mask to eat lunch they're forbidden from speaking during lunch they can they need to quickly eat the food and put the mask back on yeah right and as you listen to this it just sounds depressing right it sounds like we're sending our children even if they don't get sick what they're not going to have much fun <laughs> right. right like they're going to go to music class but there won't be any singing anymore because singing transmits the virus <laughs> what well, we can learn music theory Right. and, and percussion
1: I, instruments like, it'll all be percussion instruments
0: and 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 like playing out in the playground, like how does a guy, I, I don't know, as a guy, how do you play out in the playground if there's no physical contact, right? That's half the fun of the playground is like kicking a ball around or tackling, playing tackle football when no one's looking, right?
1: It's just going to be baseball with actually no one manning the bases, everybody in the outfield, um, the pitcher pitches, the batter hits, and then they just get to run as many bases as they can.
0: It, like, even if we like, it, just breaking it down that way, I just feel like. I feel like my kids will miss out on a part of growing up, right? That the fun part of school is really going to get mitigated and right. it's going to be replaced by parents asking, did you keep your mask on today, right? Did you wash your hands, right? And becoming yeah. extra anal about these things that for little kids, it's really not realistic to expect them. Like if, if, a, if a little kid is able to do all these things, they probably have OCD. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's, that is kind of why I started off or wanted to start off with the... Uh, the question of why do we want to send kids back to school? Because if you're designing school or return to school based on the premise that, well, kids need to go back because it's been bad for their mental health to live in such an abnormal uh, environment at home with no routine or no school routine and they need to get back to school routine, then I think you'd be designing the school very differently than if Mm -hmm. you said, no, no, the reason they need to go back to school is because their parents need to get back to work and we, we want to maximize their safety at school and eliminate any risk that the parents uh, attempts to go back to work will be undermined by the kids bringing home Mm -hmm. any kind of viral illness that gives the parents symptoms that would now cause them to fail the entrance screen for whatever building they work in.
0: (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about, about, okay. So we've talked a little bit about the science part of it, right? Let's talk about the reality of how, what we think will happen and how we should deal with it as parents. Okay, Absolutely. Right. So come September, kids are going to go back to school as a medical doctor. What is your expectation that will happen with these kids in school? There's going to be some more cases of COVID, I'm assuming as a result of it.
1: For starters, by about the third week of school or so, uh, and then ramping up ever after that, we're going to see kids starting to have just viral illnesses, you know, the, the usual mm-hmm. viral illness that you would usually get runny nose, mm-hmm. congestion, some sore throat, Uh, And some kids are going to start having fevers. And that's not because they're going to all be having coronavirus. That's because all the usual viruses that are out there are still circulating around out there. And uh, part of the reason I say this is that in my Mm -hmm. actual job in the emergency department, I've been seeing uh, over the last month kids coming in with fever and quite a few of them. And they're they're not testing positive for coronavirus. So they just have the usual viral illnesses, despite the fact that Mm -hmm. supposedly all summer long people have been in this sort of uh, Mm -hmm. lockdown or or they've been doing social distancing and taking all these precautions that theoretically should have stopped all those viruses from from spreading.
0: So why do you think it's not working? It's just too hard to control the things that are going to spread regardless of what we're trying to do. Is is that the concept?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of factors. I think part of it is that people probably aren't following the guidelines that they are supposed to be following. And I think part of it is that the guidelines don't actually work as well as people think they do. Mm -hmm. Because nobody is actually telling people at home to wear the same grade of equipment that I wear at work when I want to prevent myself from catching something from a patient. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, No, you don't buy your mask from oldnavy.com, I don't think.
1: Not not when I'm working at the hospital, I don't know. My (laughs) hospital mask is hospital grade. And I'm not saying everybody needs an N95 mask. You don't. But just the regular masks we use for droplet precautions are a little something different than what you're buying in a 10-pack at Walmart or getting on Etsy that's mm-hmm. made from someone's secondhand clothing um, or possibly from <laughs> salvaged materials from one of the donation bins behind a Value Village.
0: So yeah. So I agree with you. Like, we're going to see more cases, right? We're probably going to see outbreaks here and there, right? I expect that there probably won't be a massive shutdown of the city, hopefully, unless things really get out of control again. Right. Um, Yeah. It seems like in most countries in the world, the United States, there's very little willpower politically to shut everything down again. Right. So the threshold for how bad it's going to have to be before we shut things down a second time is pretty brutal. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think
1: we'll be, we'll be much more on top of things now that everybody is looking out for this. So, I think what's going to happen is kids will start to have symptoms at school and there'll be quick recognition that, okay, look, this child is symptomatic. They can't come to school. And, you know, the parents of the other kids will be informed that, you know, they were in contact with someone who had symptoms.
0: Right. As opposed to in March, when we first shut down, we didn't really know who had anything, right? right? There was no idea of how many people in the community really had it. There was just this idea that this thing has already spread and is loose in the community and we need to, we need to get it under control before it gets even worse. Yeah.
1: So... So yes, there's going to be outbreaks of coronavirus or there, I mean, it doesn't take much to have an outbreak. Uh, if one mm-hmm. kid comes to school with coronavirus from home and then another kid mm-hmm. at the school gets coronavirus who didn't, who didn't get it outside of school, then that constitutes an outbreak by the definition that we use for outbreak. But yes, mm-hmm. so there will be outbreaks. I think those outbreaks will be like fairly well controlled. And I think that won't lead to a sort of New York City-esque uh, overwhelming of the healthcare <laughs> system. However as I was alluding to before with all the other viral illnesses, there's going to be frequent kids having runny nose, congestion, fever, which is going to cause chaos in the sense that that's going to lead to frequent. Okay, well, now we got to respond to this. And if we're following the guidelines that seem to be suggested right now, uh, that could potentially mean, uh, okay, well, that kid can't go to school and that kid's parents, uh, depending on where they work, also can't present to work.
0: Right. So the guidelines right now are some variation of if you have a fever or symptoms, you cannot return to school until you're completely symptom-free or two weeks have passed and you have a negative COVID test. Right, some combination of these.
1: I think it's probably and or. Either two weeks have passed from the symptoms resolution or symptoms resolved and you have a negative test for COVID-19.
0: Right. And it, judging by like, you know, we're both parents, we've seen our kids go through regular winters where they're sick all the time. That's right. Like realistically, like it's going to be once a month if you're going to be going and lining up for a COVID test. That's right. Right. It's really difficult to plan out how you're going to get through this year if you're constantly doing COVID tests the whole time.
1: That's right. And multiply that by the number of kids you have. And, you know, if your workplace really is making you not show up for work when you Someone in your household has new symptoms that could theoretically be COVID. Then you, people are going to be missing a lot of work. Then these advantages mm-hmm. of sending kids back to school will start to be a little bit more dubious. So my prediction is that mm-hmm. uh, we may actually see, by, by before Christmas, so much disruption to schools because of having to constantly deal with uh, kids having symptoms that either we'll have a dialing back of school itself or we're going to start being more loose with the rules of who can and can't come to school when they're having symptoms or have had symptoms.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And that it's going to be the second one, right? Like we've all been there as parents, like the first time your kid gets sick, you're like, should I really bring them to the preschool? I don't want to be that parent, you know, by the By the 18th time they're sick, you're just shuffling them off into the school, right? right. They made it the first 17 times. They'll be okay this time. But this is the danger of this is that all of these scenarios require a lot of work, right? A lot of work on the behalf of the teacher who's monitoring the students for symptoms at all times, right? A lot of work for public health, a lot of work for the lab, a lot of work for the doctors. Everyone is going to be trying to track these kids and track the parents to ensure that there's not you know that the the cases get found quickly but in order to do that it's going to be a lot of excess tracking
1: yeah yeah absolutely here's a fun informational tidbit uh here in ontario people have had to register their kids for school by now people who intend Mm -hmm. to send their kids to school uh or people who who haven't for that matter have had to let the school boards know either i'm doing some kind of homeschool option or i'm sending them to physical school and the numbers are, are in now and about 20, almost 25% of kids in elementary school have already declared that they're going to be staying home and doing school mm. from home. And 21%, almost one in five or almost like close to 20% of high school students have said the same, that they will not be in school. Mm. So already the class sizes are going to be diminished by that much. And I imagine that a lot of parents have done what we did at my house, which is, When we weren't sure, we signed up and said, yep, we're sending our kids to school, knowing that if we change our minds later, it's probably much easier to pull your kids out of school when they're registered than it is to put them into school when they weren't.
0: (laughs) So what is the medical dad's... Let's do Medical Dad Ottawa. What is your advice for parents as of today? like who are thinking about this issue you know, and they're kind of wrestling with the choices of what to do. Like, what would you tell them beyond what we've already said?
1: I guess we already talked about uh, the question of, well, should you send your kid to school or not? And that's going to be a very individualized uh, decision to make. But my opinion or my advice Mm -hmm. would be, if you're actually in a position where you could comfortably keep your kids home for a little bit longer to see how things play out, then I probably would. You know, if if it's something where, well, I'm already Mm -hmm. working from home, and my job at home is such that I think I could handle another six weeks of homeschooling. Then I would say, yeah, keep your kids home till about mid-October uh, to get a sense of like, well, just how well is it working out? Um, but that's not to say that if you're not in the situation where you can keep your kids home, mm-hmm. that you should be panicked or afraid or, uh, you know, freaking out right now. Because I myself am in the situation where I don't really see us being able to keep the kids home from school unless something really unexpected happened with the way my wife's job is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are sending your kids to school, I would say be very, very vigilant about and adherent to the rules about, you know, if your kid has any symptoms, keeping them home. Don't do not do what people do under regular circumstances where they say, oh, well, he, I can tell he's feeling a little bit mm-hmm. off, but just for convenience sake, let's send him to school and let's, and we'll see if he makes it through the day or give him some Advil and see if that buys me at least enough time to get a half a day's work in. Right. Please don't do that.
0: Right. That was the old medical dad's advice. It doesn't apply in 2020.
1: I, I never said to do that, actually. <laughs> I think we've got the old podcast to prove it. Uh, and then uh, don't, don't give yourself a stress ulcer worrying about your kid getting coronavirus and getting seriously ill at school. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, yes, your kid may get coronavirus, but uh, they will likely be okay. Um, But uh, do, I would say, also be cautious about that social bubble that you've gotten used to over the summertime. I think it's very prudent that when your kids go back to school, uh, while we wait to see how things play out and how much uh, this leads to a ramp up of COVID in the community, I think it'd be very wise to say those more vulnerable relatives that you have, those grandparents, you know. Try to see them now in the summertime if if they were already in your social bubble, and then back off on seeing them when school starts until we get a better sense of how mm-hmm. things are playing out, and all those sort of mm-hmm. like play dates you've had with family or with friends, uh, those those distance visits that started off as distance visits, but then by the end of your visit, you're like, yeah, I was definitely. Closer than I was <laughs> supposed to be that person if I was rules. Group hug. <laughs> so group <right>. hug. <laughs> I would also advocate for really going back to where, the way you were closer to the beginning of the coronavirus sort of lockdown, where you're like, no, I, I really am serious about not like mm-hmm. going outside of my bubble. So those would be a bit yeah. of my of, of my starter advice for for parents going back to school. What about you?
0: No, I think that's I think that's really good. Like, I think you covered all of the main points. You know, for me you know you've covered all the main points i have a couple little points number 1 i think if your child is thinking about going into junior kindergarten and maybe to some extent senior kindergarten if your decision is should i keep them home for another year i would recommend for that though that age child to stay home because they don't lose much academically like in in many provinces in canada there is no junior kindergarten school starts for 5 at 5 years of age yeah. instead of 4 right so you know, you're really not going to be behind staying home for an extra year if you can manage it, yeah. right? And that age group, just very difficult to manage, you know, between the runny noses, they're not going to be wearing masks. They can't socially distance from the teacher or the other kids in the class. It's not yeah. realistic. It's they're, It's not going to accomplish that much for them to go. So th- I've been reading that there are a lot of parents of that age group thinking about keeping yeah. their kids home. I definitely don't see a huge rush to force the kids to back into school at yeah. that age. Similarly, at the top end of the food chain, the university students, you know, I've been thinking about university a lot lately and because I've been reading these articles about, you know, people are thinking, you know, they got into university. I mean, a lot of these articles are American, right? So they're looking at a $60,000 bill and now the school's telling them, we're just going to, you're going to learn online, (laughs) right? You don't need to come to campus, but please send (laughs) in your checks. So another good time to take a gap year or two in life is university age you know whether you're 23 entering the workforce or 22 probably at the end of the day you're not even going to remember the difference when you're when you're 65 right And contrary to popular opinion, because my mom was really big on me, like getting through school as quickly as possible because she wanted my earning time of life to be as long as possible. (laughs) Contrary to her advice, I say, if you're in the university age, there may be other ways for you to, you know, use your time this year, right? right? This may not be the best time to be sending in those big checks because you're not going to get exactly the university experience you were hoping for.
1: Now's the time to take a year off and travel through Europe. Oh, uh, wait, no, uh, I guess... (laughs) (laughs) you want to do that
0: online travel online (laughs) world of warcraft there's a whole world out there waiting for you to explore
1: take that year off to discover yourself at home
0: (laughs) i mean i mean in terms of other things I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about after-school activities. Like, there's this is whole other thing. Like, and and those are those activities are ramping yeah. up too, right? In theory, as parents feel comfortable sending their kids to school with social distancing, then what's to stop them from sending them to an after-school robotics lesson or an after-school piano lesson, right? That's the next thing that's going to yeah. open up. My idea of this is that every little thing you do, incrementally, minusculely, but incrementally, increases your risk, right? right? Until at some point that number is no longer minuscule, right. right? And and you have to figure out at which point, you know, you can tolerate that, right? And are these activities yeah. worth it, right? And during this break and this time at home, my conclusion is that a lot of the things just aren't worth it, you know? So I don't know. Like, every parent will come to this issue from a different vantage point, but I do feel... I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you have the means and you're comfortable keeping your kids at home a little bit longer, my advice to my patients is always don't be the test subjects. You know, don't be patient zero out the door. Like I got to run, I got to get into school yeah. first, right? I want to pick my seat. This is not the year that you want to be the first guy in the classroom, right? And generally when it comes to, med, you know, trying out experimental therapies, new medications, uh, all these things, like you just don't want to be first, right? And as Stu said, if two or three months from now, we see, okay, we're getting a little bit of outbreaks in the community, but it's nothing major. Most of the kids are okay. Then, you know, Go to school in November, go to school in January, right? Enjoy it, right? And then you wouldn't, ha- you have skipped this part that's a little bit uncertain. And heaven forbid things don't go that well, you'll have yeah. missed it.
1: Well, it'll be fun to listen to this podcast in another three months and see, uh, like, how much has changed. <laughs> Cause right now, things are still very much in flux. Uh, my wife, as a high school teacher, still doesn't really know ex- what's what, uh, going to happen in terms of even her schedule or how they're going to manage things in the school.
0: Well, what's the, v- I mean, The teachers is a very specific other thing that we didn't really talk about, right? The children, we feel, will be relatively safe, but we do feel like the teachers could catch the illness from the children, right? And so there's many teachers who are very worried about going back. Like, they don't really want to be there either.
1: There's a lot of teachers who are taking a gap year right now, (laughs) taking that time to discover (laughs) themselves,
0: So, I mean, but that is a legit thing, right? And I, un- I understand the situation that the teachers and the school board and the politicians are in, right. right? It's not an easy situation. We're all just kind of making this up as we go along as best we can. So I feel like as parents, give the school some space. Let them try to figure things out. But decide for your own family what you're comfortable with.
1: I think for the most part, the teachers and the parents are on the same side because what's... What, what parents want to make their kids safe is going to line up well with, with what the teachers are going to want to make themselves safe. Um, plus, I, I assume mm-hmm. that teachers also care about the kids.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Last thing I will point out is that if I was a student at this point, this would have been my dream. Like, no school for six months and possibly even longer.
1: <laughs> my wife said to me earlier today that... Uh, It's uh, too bad that we have to be going through this pandemic as adults and not when we were kids. And I was responding to her that if this had been happening when I I was a kid, I'd have been loving it. And I would have been watching even more television and playing more video games uh, than my kids are now. Because my parents let me do way more of that than I let my kids do currently.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully people have learn something from this episode yeah. and we've put your, your mind at ease somewhat or at least clarified some things yeah. that you weren't clear about regarding the September return to school.
1: Or at the very least, we've shown people that we are just as uncertain about what's going to actually happen as they are. <laughs> <laughs> and we too don't even know what last minute crazy game day decisions we're going to make about our kids in school.
0: On, on the bright side, if the kids go back to school you can eat the pizza right out of the box. Don't worry about the pizza anymore. It's just a small thing.
1: I was going to say on the bright side, if the kids go back to school, we might start to be able to be more on time with getting our podcasts out.
0: <laughs> yes. The most compelling reason to send everyone back is to get ourselves back on schedule. <laughs> That's
1: right. Give more parents time at home without their kids to listen to the Medical Dads podcast.
0: Absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you, everyone. Good luck planning the next couple of weeks. Get those school bags ready, virtual or not. And we'll see how this thing shakes down.
1: Chin up, folks. We'll see you in September. At least we'll have a generation of kids who know how to enjoy a crisis.